And now, the Surreal Life season finale on the WB. Previously on the Surreal Life. I think Corey's almost gone out of his way to alienate himself. If this is Survivor, he'd be the first one off. I went to the bathroom. Calm the down. For 20 minutes. I'm going to get really big. There was always, you know, some type of drama or stress. He could find drama in, you know, what he was eating that day. I have friends who are vegetarians because it's unhealthy for them to eat meat. And that's the wrong reason. Now, that's pretty judgmental. A celebrity should never talk about they got a tough life. You gotta be kidding me. about me is that I am the most down-to-earth celebrity you'll ever meet. I'm not here to be anyone's mom. I got two kids of my own. It's not my job to be their mom. A celebrity should never talk about they got a tough life. It's so wimpy to complain. I kind of act like a married person without the husband. I'm looking for Mr. Right if you're out there. Life is now. Almost everything I do is fun. <laughs> Basically, on Survivor, I was labeled a roaring bitch. You either love me or you hate me. I'm the biggest ass in the world or the nicest guy in the world. Celebrities love them, but you don't know them. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the finale of the Surreal Life Season 1. We made it. It was a very fun ride. And this was a good finale. They set up the ending of the last episode to flow really well into this one and to build up the tension in Corey's speech. So fun show, fun first season. I did find someone online who says that they have access to get DVDs of all the Surreal Life season, so... Waiting to hear back from them, please hold. Everyone send me all of your good vibes and keep your fingers crossed and hopefully we can cover all seasons of The Surreal Life, like, soon here. In the meantime, though, I will be cranking out some episodes of My Big Fat American Gypsy Wedding, as well as a few other episodes covering some of the long-lost series from the celebrity era that we probably don't even remember. So, we still have a long way to go. We have so much stuff to cover here. So the other day, I fell into what I like to call a internet K-hole, which is where you start by looking one thing up on your phone, and before you know it, an hour has gone by, and you're like, where the fuck am I? What's going on here? And then you realize you've been reading about Gary Busey's life story for the past 45 minutes. But I was trying to find more information about Corey and Susie's wedding. I was trying to find how much money they got offered to put it on film, you know, who they invited, yada, yada, yada. And I started getting search results from when Corey was on Marriage Boot Camp Family Edition, which I didn't know. I somehow missed that when I was doing my Corey update. For those of you who don't know what Marriage Boot Camp is, it is the bottom of the barrel reality show on WeTV. It started as a spinoff of Bridezilla's back in 2013. It took couples from the Bridezilla's show and they put them through tests and communication exercises to try to better their relationships. And then eventually they started bringing in celebrity couples. And then they started with Family Edition, which took celebrities, quote unquote, and uh, family members to come in and work on their relationship, try to get over past traumas and all that stuff. The first couple seasons weren't that bad. I mean, they were silly, but watchable for sure. I liked Bridezilla's a lot when it was on. 
on each season, they'll have a set of doctors to help the cast get through these exercises, and they'll do, like, therapy sessions with them and stuff. And of course, like any show, as the seasons went on, it just got worse and worse. It got more scripted, just more obnoxious. But anyway, he was on a recent season with his now wife, as well as his brother Eden, and they were supposed to be working on... Corey and Eden's relationship, so I don't know why his wife was there. Probably because he put it in his contract that she had to be there. And from the clips that I saw, Corey is exactly the same, if not a little worse. He's still rocking sunglasses during his interviews, and he's got that weird Michael Jackson look going on still. Everything is very me, me, me. And I guess after the show aired in 2019, Corey sued Marriage Boot Camp, as well as Think Factory Media, which is the production company that put on Marriage Boot Camp. And he is suing them for emotional trauma and being held hostage while they were filming. He says that they were brought in there under false pretenses on what the show was going to be, and they ended up manipulating him and editing the show to make him look like a liar and an idiot. I guess during filming, they really focused on Corey's child sexual trauma that he's talked about, and he was pissed because... The show was supposed to be all about his relationship with him and his brother, which, yeah, that's fucked up. But did you not watch the show before you went on, Corey? Like, Tamar, have you watched the show? If he would have watched any of the recent seasons before he agreed to go on, he would know exactly what he's walking into. I'm really not trying to sound like a victim blaming here because I'm sure they obviously took advantage of Corey and his mental state for the purpose of entertainment on the show, but this is the exactly type of show that does that. WeTV is not known for pumping out, like, quality content by any means. For example, three seasons before Corey was on, so back on season 12, Amber Portwood from Teen Mom, her mom Tanya, and her fiancé at the time, Matt, which <laughs> we love Matt. By that I mean we love to hate Matt. Amber's mom, Tanya, was basically comatose from pills throughout that whole season. In the earlier part of the season, Tanya doesn't participate in some of the activities because she's going through withdrawal from her prescriptions. And then when she does get her prescriptions back, she just spends the rest of the season like slurring her words and forgetting what she's doing half the time. It's really obnoxious. So what I'm trying to say is you don't go into marriage boot camp expecting that they're going to give you a good edit. Ever. So last year, he ended up dropping the lawsuit in March, and I'm sure that his lawyer probably told him, like, you don't have a shot at this. I'm sure he signed contracts saying that, you know, anything goes as far as the edit goes, so. But anyway, let's get into the finale here. This is... Season 1 finale, Corey's Wedding. So the episode starts right where we left off in the previous one. This is the first episode of this whole season that doesn't start with morning in the house, and I think that's great. I like that they just leaped right into this from the previous one. Corey's writing a speech in his bedroom. He wants to give a speech to the whole house, just letting everyone know where he's at mentally, and just making sure that they're not leaving the house with any bad blood. And everyone else knows that something's up. Everyone except for Corey is gathered in the living room and no one is excited for this. Shocker. Jerry is just sitting on the couch and she just goes, this sucks. And no one knows what's going to happen, but they're all expecting for it to just be another dramatic moment for Corey. 
And we keep getting shots of him, like, deep breathing in his room and trying to get all pumped up for this, like, okay, here it goes. So he walks into the living room and sits down with everyone, and they're all just in a circle. It's like Corey's walking in to his own intervention that he arranged. Um, whatever differences we may have had, for me personally, it hasn't been out of haste. And I don't want you to think that I have anything personal against you because I don't. It's just how I am. I'm really a sensitive person. You know, it's, it really affects me. I'm sorry. Um, I just hope we really all can walk away from this and remember the best things about each other. And I really am excited that you're all going to share the wedding with me tomorrow. And that everybody's happy. I'm sorry. So, in case you can't tell, Corey is crying, at least pretending to cry. He's hunched over on his chair. He's got the sniffles going, no tears that I can see, of course. He's holding his hand over his mouth and he's got his eyes closed. Just like, I'm sorry, sorry. And no one gives a shit. We get shots of everyone just staring at him. No one is buying what he's selling. Even Mercedes gives him the side eye. Brandy's dog even looks over at Corey going, hmm, really? <laughs> Hats off to whichever producer put that shot in. So they're all just sitting there in silence waiting for whatever Corey's gonna say next until Brandy pops in with, Do you want us to help you pack? There's a few more seconds of silence until Corey starts to laugh and then everyone else laughs with him and it saves the moment. I thought Brandy was being super shady when she said that. Like when I was watching it and she popped up with, do you want us to help you pack? I took that as her saying like, okay, well, if you're not liking being here this much, then why don't we help pack your shit and get you the fuck out of here? <laughs> but I guess she was being sincere actually. That or everyone else understood the joke except for Corey, which has also happened, so. But everyone's laughing until eventually Corey's like, should we uh, have a group hug or something? Ensuring that he's still the center of attention in this situation, Jerry lets us know that that moment did really help everything just get reset and everyone was feeling a lot more positive about the whole experience and wedding going forward. So it's now the next day, which means it is officially Corey and Susie's wedding day. We see everyone waking up and get ready for the day. We cut to Corey and his clock says that it is 6.45 in the morning, which for the record, is currently 45 minutes after he had told everyone in the last episode that they had to start getting ready by in order to be ready for his rehearsal at 8.30. And he doesn't seem pressed in the slightest. And we get our final edition of the Surreal Life paper. It's got a picture of Corey and Susie in swimsuits hanging out by the pool, I'm guessing back at their apartment. And it says, House braces for Feldman wedding. Surreal life ends, real life begins. Corey grabs it, but he wants Hammer to read their last paper, and it says... Hey, guess what, guys? What's up? I got the paper! Yeah! You want me to read it? Stars come out for primetime celeb wedding. Over a hundred wedding guests will witness the nuptials of Corey and Susie. The marriage and the young couple's love for each other is as real as it gets. Aww. And every 
mentioned that Corey is 31 here and Susie's 20. I did? Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. Gross! I guess I better get over that, though, because once we leap over to my big fat American gypsy wedding, like, those girls are, like, fucking 16 years old. It's terrible. So I gotta buck up here, I guess. But it just seems so weird for them to cheer on like, oh yeah, Corey and Susie are gonna fuck when she was at prom like two years ago. Isn't that weird? So we start seeing crew members start to set up the backyard for the wedding. They're bringing in chairs and all sorts of crazy fucking furniture. Like we see these guys bringing in like a red lounger chair, a green lounger chair, coffee tables, fake trees. I feel like this backyard is set up plenty for this wedding. You know what I mean? It's already landscaped. The view is gorgeous. They just need to make sure they have enough chairs and yeah, tables and stuff for people to eat at. But why do we need fake trees for an outdoor wedding? Some guests and friends of Corey start to arrive at the house and some of the cast members are making comments like, oh great, we're just gonna have fucking people running around the house all day. <laughs> That's awesome. Vince's fiance Leah flew in for the wedding. She's there helping Vince get ready. Corey is of course already in full groomzilla mode. He's running all over the house like a chicken with his head cut off. And then we see Susie and her bridal party. <laughs> This is a early 2000s bridal party if I've ever seen one. Susie and her four bridesmaids are like all huddled together in front of the house. She's standing at the end with her hair all pinned up. She's smoking a cigarette and she's wearing one of those black cut off velour jumpsuits. So it's a crop top version. Her bridesmaid next to her is in a light blue velour tracksuit. And they're all just hanging out with their arms linked, just standing in front of the house. I don't know if they're waiting for someone or if they wanted this shot just for the show. The bridal party heads in and they're all getting ready upstairs. Corey lets us know that they purposefully set it up so they don't see each other for the wedding so they can build up the anticipation, blah, blah, blah. We see Susie laying on one of the beds and she's talking to the camera like, yeah, I got all my girlfriends here. I've known some of them since I was like 10 and I've got my mom here. It's so great. Okay, so we get a talking head with Susie's mom and she doesn't look bad. I mean, I'm guessing she's fairly young here if Susie's only 20. But in some clips you see of her, she looks like she could easily be 60. In other ones, she looked like she could probably be 40. She's one of those. And while she's talking to the camera, there is definitely something teeth related going on. Like as she's talking, you can see her actively trying to control her mouth. I don't know if they got her a new set of teeth for the wedding specifically, but it doesn't look like she's very comfortable with them yet. And they do look like fake teeth. They're very white, they're very straight, there's no spaces in between. But she definitely seems like she's trying to make sure they don't fall out. She kind of reminds me of April Baltera for any of my teen mom people out there. She's definitely serving some April. When Susanna was a little girl, she watched a movie, um, Stand By Me, that Corey was in. And uh, later on that day, we found a, a, a note that she wrote that said she was in love with Corey Feldman and she wanted to marry him. Destiny has a way of finding its way to you. 
So basically, the moral of the story is, do not let your children marry their childhood crush from movies or television. Which I think is a pretty good lesson. If I were to be married to my childhood crush from a movie when I was a kid, I would be married to Edward Furlong right now. So, there you go. The girls start to get ready and we cut over to Corey, who is with a wedding stylist named Michael. He tells us that he's putting Corey in a fabulous Louis XIV themed outfit. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's what it is. He's got a cream colored vest on with matching bloomers. These have to be bloomers. They're long puffy pants at the top that get tight at the ankle. So Hammer must be super jealous right now. Under the vest, he has a white frilly like lacy shirt on and at the wrist, it like puffs out, like they're long. And there's a lacy scarf to match that the stylist is tying on Corey when we see him. And to complete the look, he puts on a dark jacket that's waist long in the front and then in the back, it's, it's super long. You know what I mean? This looks like something Lestat would wear, like the vampire, Lestat. And as the guy's helping Corey put his jacket on, Corey keeps going, ho, 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 ho. He tells us that the look is as if he's the hero that gets the girl at the end of a movie. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. Don't do drugs, people. We cut over to Jerry and Gabby. And Jerry tells us that Corey apparently approached her and asked if she would be the videographer for this wedding. <laughs> That is such a fuck you moment, is it not? Like, hey person I've known nine days and I've continuously fought with, I want you to come to my wedding. However, you're gonna be working. So we see her getting shots around the house and I wonder if she purposefully made shots super shitty or if like she accidentally filmed the floor for 20 minutes straight. But she says she's happy to do it and that it made her feel included in the wedding. So Jerry is a trooper. Our boy Vince is drinking alone in his room and he is loving every second of it. He tells us like, hey, I don't have any role in this wedding and I'm fucking happy about that. He bumps into Corey while he's getting ready. Hey, all right, dude. Great. Yeah. Everybody dressed normally except for him in this shoe cobbler thing or whatever he was. Corey is loving every second about being the center of attention and no surprise there. He's running around the house showing off this crazy Amadeus outfit. And he's running up to people being like, where are the rings? We need to get the rabbi in here. You there, I want you to be my witness. That's your job for the day. Where's that costumer guy? <laughs> Where's the costumer guy? He calls the wedding stylist a costumer guy, which... <laughs> Why would you hire a costumer for your wedding? The guests start rolling up and I don't know who any of these people are, but we do see a white limo with the Playboy bunny on it. Hef is in the building. Of course, all eyes are on this limo. The door opens and who do we see? None other than Miss Holly Madison herself. And shortly after we see Bridget Marquardt. This is pre Girls Next Door. Holly has her short hair still. And this is when Hef still had more than three girlfriends. Kendra's not here yet. This is pre-Kendra. Corey sees the limo pull up and he's like, oh, oh, there's Hef. Brandy brings Hef in to introduce him to Corey and they introduce themselves. Corey is so nervous and so excited. 
he's more excited to meet Hef than I feel like he is to get married, honestly. And this is when you want to meet Hef? When you look like the fucking berries and cream leprechaun from the Skittles commercial? We see them meet quickly, and Hef jokes with Corey about how the wedding's called off, and Corey's like, oh, well, are you taking her off my hands? <laughs> the guys give Corey a few positive words before the ceremony starts, and we see the cast go to sit down for the ceremony. Gabrielle is not in her signature white suit. However, it'd be rude to wear white to someone else's wedding, so... The setup for the ceremony is very, like, Alice in Wonderland. The statues and awning are covered in these gigantic red roses, and their unity candle is kind of like Beauty and the Beast looking. It's got that glass thing over it. It doesn't look bad at all, but, like, this could have been planned in a week. It was planned in a week, but... It looks like it could have been planned in a week. <sighs> Rabbi Brian and Hammer walk to the end of the aisle, and they both look very sharp. They're in all black, and we see Jerry in the background sitting in the audience, guest seats, whatever you call it. She's like half standing up in her chair, and she's holding her gigantic video camera, trying to get the shots of people walking down the aisle from like the outer end of her row. She's giving Amy Poehler in Mean Girls during the talent show, for sure. Corey walks down the aisle, and he is accompanied by his sister, who I guess is also an actor, but never really made any huge roles. Her name is Mindy Feldman. And I didn't know, fun fact, their dad, Bob Feldman, co-wrote the songs like I Want Candy and My Boyfriend's Back, so the more you know. The flower girls and ring bearer walk down the aisle and of course halfway through the ring bearer turns around and just books it back because that's what kids fucking do. And you see Corey's sister go up to him and be like, just fucking go, just walk. And the kid's like, I don't want to do it. So it's just so great to see this family doing whatever they can to break that generational trauma by not forcing your kids to do shit they don't want to do. Because if you don't remember, that's exactly why Corey says he doesn't talk to his mom. The Bride March plays, and Emmanuel gets up and turns around to watch Susie walk down the aisle. <laughs> Vince is like, hey, get down. Like, it's not time for that yet. But when Emmanuel's standing up, he's still shorter than everyone while they're sitting down. <laughs> no shade. Susie walks down the aisle with, I'm assuming that's her dad. He looks dad age. And then when she gets up to Corey, they do a little, like, circle move. They're holding hands, and they do, like, one slow ring around the rosy 360 which okay they must be going for disney fairy tale themed wedding here susie's in a very early 2000s looking bridal getup she's in a white white ball gown with spaghetti straps she's got all of her hair up tight in a bun like a big curly bun with a tiara of course the eyeshadow is frosty. It's a white frosty eyeshadow from lid to brow. I think her lipstick might be a little frosty too, but it's hard to tell because she's got that veil over the face, which seems so annoying, especially considering this wedding is outside and the winds are blowing. Please be seated. May God determine that man was lonely. And it is not good for man to be alone. He took a rib from the side of the man and created woman to be by his side. We welcome you all to the wedding, the marriage 
of Corey Feldman and Susie Spray. And two of you have written vows that you would like to share to each other. You alone I need. You alone I love. You are the answer to my prayers. Sent from up above. Trusting is my heart. For the first time in my life. Innocent. The love you give. So beautiful. My wife. Mm. From the moment I saw you, I knew that the feeling in my heart would never be the same. You've been the most honest, beautiful, and nurturing person this world has ever seen. I will forever be honored to share my life and love with you unconditionally and eternally. I want you to look at all the people who are here. Take a good look at all of their faces. All of these people believe in the two of you. They're great. This is the first time I really saw the two of them in love and it all became very real to me Corey I ask you to take this ring place it on Susie's finger do you Corey Scott Feldman take this woman to be your wife to love to honor to cherish for all the days of your life <laughs> do you Corey Scott Feldman take this woman to be your wife. You better believe it. <laughs> Do you, Susanna Sprague, take this man to be your husband, to love, to honor, to cherish for all the days of your life? I do. Mm. May God bless your marriage. <laughs> Everybody was just totally supportive, totally there for me. And uh, for the first time in the whole time we were here, I really felt like everybody was on my side. So they did it. They're married. Mercedes tried to object the wedding, but everyone ignored her. Mazel tov. I love that each Hammer and Rabbi Brian pronounced Susie's last name differently. Hammer pronounced it Sprague, and Rabbi Brian said it as Sprague, and I've never known which one it actually was, so I love that they don't either. Oh, and Vince and Leah were making out during part of the ceremony, so <laughs> love that. They take some pictures, do their first dance, Emmanuel does a nice toast on behalf of the bride and groom, and Corey grabs the microphone and rounds up the cast because we are doing an encore of the Surreal Life Blues. So they all gather around the live band and do the whole song again. Everyone's happy. Everyone's laughing. Corey says there was nothing but love in the air. And that's it for the wedding. The guests are gone. The crew's all just hanging out around the dining room table. And Corey is saying his goodbyes. He's going to be leaving with Susie for the evening. So this is a wrap on Corey Feldman in the Surreal Life house. He goes around and gives his hugs to everyone. And there's a funny moment where Corey's like, I'm going to miss everyone. And Jerry goes, we're going to miss you too. And while this is going on, Vince, who's wasted, is just laughing his ass off. Jerry tells us that she's not going to lie. She's feeling a little bit of relief about Corey Feldman leaving. No, what? Goodbye, surreal life. Bye. Bye. Time to go back to the real life. Yes. 
Corey and Susie get in the back of a limo that says just married on the back and they are off to live in pure marital bliss. The remaining cast walks to the living room and they find a nice candlelit dinner set up for them. This is their last meal in the house. They'll be spending the night, but tomorrow morning they're all set to go home. Gabrielle says she's bummed but excited to go home to see her family. We get a really cute moment from Hammer where he says how... It's going to be so weird after he gets home to not wake up in the morning and instantly just go, Manny Mo, Yup, Manny Mo, You ready to go, Manny Mo? They make a cheers to each other and they do mention Corey. Cheers to Corey. Cheers to us. We made it. And that's how the night ends. We get a nice freeze frame of them all cheering their glasses. It's the final morning in the house and Gabrielle is up first. She says that she wants to make sure she's home to see her kids before they go to school. So she's up bright and early. She stops by in everyone's room and says goodbye, gives them a hug. They all say that they're going to call each other soon. Her and Vince share a nice hug outside of her limo. And she tells him, hey, sorry, you're the last one to leave today. And he's like, that's all right. And Gabrielle is off, crying in the back of her limo, home to her family. Looks like Emmanuel is leaving next. He gives everyone a hug. Jerry holds him really tight and tells him that she loves him. And of course, Emmanuel hugs Hammer last. They say they're going to see each other real soon. He waves goodbye from the limo as it pulls off and Jerry is not holding it together. She bawled when Gabby left. She's bawling right now. Brandy walks up to Vince, gives him a hug and lets him know, like, I'll definitely be seeing you soon in Vegas. And while they're hugging, Mercedes jumps up on Vince as if she's trying to give him a hug too. It's so cute. So Brandy and Mercedes are gone. And then they just kind of fly through the next couple people. They just show them leaving in their limos. But we do get some nice final thoughts from everyone. I have gained a group of friends and the opportunity to be the kind, nice, generous person that I really am. All right, love you, man. Take care, man. This has been a very, very meaningful uh, experience. Truly something that I always cherish. It was really tough, I think, tougher for uh, for me than anybody else, because I was the last one there. I had to say goodbye to everybody. So just Vince is left at the house at this point. We cut to commercial, come back, and we have just this final scene of Vince walking around the house. I had no idea what to expect from this experience. See you later, Fish. The rock guy, rapper, child stars, playmates, all sharing beds together and living together. Stuff is kind of emotional. What really surprised me was that we came here as strangers and we really left as friends. Okay, so that ends with Vince saying, we came as strangers, we left as friends. And during this whole monologue, he's walking around the house, like shutting off all the lights one by one, and he leaves on his chopper. And I shit you not. Immediately after he says that, we cut to the cast doing a full-on recreation of the Friends intro, like an exact replica. They're all dressed in black and white. There's the couch. There's the fountain. Gabrielle's sitting on the edge of the fountain, like, tossing shit in there. They're bopping around, like, Hammer falls backwards into the fountain, like, wow, that's wacky! Each other and fighting for just one phone. 
And it ends with them all sitting on the couch looking at the fountain and Jerry reaches and turns off the lamp. And that's how the finale ends. Wasn't Friends, like, done by the time this aired? 2002? Okay, I guess not. 2004. I never got into Friends. Don't at me. But that's it, you guys. That's all for the first season of The Surreal Life. It was very, very fun. This was a really good season to start with. Good cast, good moments. I had a lot of fun, and I hope you guys did too. As far as final thoughts go, yeah, I mean, I think Jerry isn't the villain that Survivor makes her out to be. It could be, I never watched Survivor, but it could be one of those things where once she gets in that environment, she can be kind of villain-esque. Or she maybe would be like Wes on the challenge where she has a character, she knows it well, she plays it well, and she knows when to turn it on and when she can just be Jerry. Gabrielle, Brandy, Emmanuel, and Hammer all seem to overall have their shit together, so not too many thoughts there. Vince Neil obviously has an alcohol problem as well as anger management issues. I don't foresee the drinking changing for Vince. I really hope he actively fixes his anger issues because you can't go around fucking putting your hands on and choking women. I wonder if... So I don't know if this genre is really popular anymore, but if we were to bring back some sort of celebrity rehab type show, I wonder if they would ever do an anger management version. Celebrity rehab did do a sex rehab version of the show, how great would an anger management version be? Let's put Vince Neil, Vanilla Ice, Sean Penn, Alec Baldwin, and like Mel Gibson in a house and let's see what happens. Again, 10 listeners, let's do this. And final thoughts for Corey. I mean, there's so many. Most I've already said already on the podcast. But obviously, I think Corey is the perfect example of what can happen when children go through traumatic experiences. I think it did mentally and emotionally stunt him. That's probably why he surrounds himself with young people. He doesn't seem to have a lot of people his age that he's friends with, and why he keeps getting into these relationships with young women. But that's my armchair diagnosis. We are going to go ahead and do our final update with Miss Jerry Manthe. She has a really cool life. She looks like she's doing really well. So she returned to Survivor twice since filming The Surreal Life. She went back for an all-star season in 2004, where she placed 10th. And she came back again in 2010 for a Heroes vs. Villain season. And she made it to the top four. Later in 2010, she had a situation where she was removed from a U.S. Airlines flight. So I guess what happened, she got on the plane with a roller carry-on bag and was approached by a flight attendant who told her that the bag was too big and couldn't have wheels. So she made her take everything out that she wanted out of the bag, which I guess had like a video camera, a nice Canon camera, her laptop, iPod, all that stuff you'd bring on an airplane. And for the first, like, 30 minutes or so, I guess this flight attendant just really had it out for Jerry. Like, she was letting other people on with bags even bigger than Jerry's, but everything Jerry would ask her, she would just immediately shoot her down or give her an attitude. 
And as the flight took off, she went up to Jerry and told her that she had to take her jacket and put it under the seat in front of her. And Jerry said, Jesus Christ. And she got Jerry kicked off the airplane for saying that. And it sounds like everyone that was around her was on Jerry's side and said that this flight attendant had a huge power trip. So I'm guessing that maybe she saw her on Survivor and didn't like her and brought it into the real life. Since then, she's been very low-key. She travels a lot. She loves wine. She currently lives in Napa Valley and did work as a wine tour guide for a while, but now she is a full-time private chef, and she has a podcast called Hit the Ground Running with Jerry Manthe. But she does seem like she's really living her best life. She seems very happy. She looks great, and we wish the best for Jerry Manthe. Hopefully, we'll see her again on our TV screen soon. Since starting this recording, the person that said they have Surreal Life DVDs did email me back and sent me a link to order. So fingers crossed, everybody, I am going to order these Surreal Life seasons and hopefully we can get right into season two. In the meantime, I'll start with my Big Fat American Gypsy wedding. I am so excited. I really hope these DVDs end up working out. But that's it for the finale of Surreal Life season one. Thank you all so much for joining me. As always, you can find me on Instagram at SurrealityPod, and you can send hate mail to SurrealityPod at gmail.com. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much.